Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Kristen Eichhammer. Welcome to 2023. So uh, I know I I like to set New Year's resolutions and probably many of you all do as well or, or goals or, you know, something along the lines. It's such a helpful reset. But if you had a New Year's resolution to get a gym membership at the very bougie Equinox gym, well, you can't. Equinox posted on its website, quote, we don't speak January, forbidding new members from joining. It's not you. It's January. A message posted on Equinox website read. Kristen, you're probably the biggest <laughs> workout fiend in this room. What do, what do you think about this policy by a gym that you can't sign up on January 1st? So initially, I... I like kind of understood it because it's like, all right, yeah, you don't have to wait until January 1st. That mm-hmm. shouldn't be like the barrier to entry to, to join a gym. However, I do totally understand the need for motivation. And I remember when I started CrossFit, which is another type of gym that seems a little exclusive, sometimes <laughs> a little, dare I say, culty. Wow. Um, Just a little bit. I'm a, acknowledging a bit, a bit. it, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, the first step, Kristen. Yes, it is. I'm Kristen, before recording, said I didn't go to CrossFit this morning and I, quote unquote, feel weird. I feel so weird. <laughs> but not culty at all. Not culty. I'm fine. It's OK. I, I drank Kool-Aid instead this morning. Um, <laughs> But I, I just think that this discouragement of joining the gym and being inclusive is just kind of ironic for a gym that prides itself so much on being, you know, like this this cool club of like we accept everyone come in and join us. Um, but I mean, I guess it's just a cute ad campaign, maybe. Yeah, that's my theory. This has nothing yeah. to do with patterns or anything. They have brilliant people doing their marketing. They said this is going to go viral. It's going to get a ton of attention on social media. And all of a sudden, people who've never heard of Equinox will know about it. And it's working. Very and effective. I don't get all the hate against New Year's resolutions. Like, that's such a 2023 Gen Z <laughs> thing to say of, like, we don't need to, like, have a hard date to set our intentions. Like you can set your intentions at any time. Like, no, it's it's good. It's good as Americans that we take time to be like, yeah. okay, we'll make a change. Like, new year, new us. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I think you guys are right that this is a big marketing scam and, you know, January 1st was over the weekend and who's going to actually go to the gym on a weekend to sign up on a holiday. But I guess for me, it's, it's more so like, no, this is just... Dumb, like, let people set <laughs> resolutions. It's like starting a planner at the beginning of the year. You know by May you're probably oh, not yeah. going to be using it anymore, but you try. Oh, I love my no. planner so oh, much. Gosh. I used it all year long. You know and I uh, went over the weekend and got a new one, oh, and it was, like, the best thing ever. <laughs> do you know it's 2023 and you can do the, all that on your computer? Yeah. <laughs> but and it it's all for you. <laughs> I like checking the box, at least yeah, until May. It's so satisfying, like, seeing it on paper. Oh, it's great. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the new year is off to a raging start in Washington, D.C. So, Lauren, go ahead. Let us know what we have queued up on today's show. Up on today's Problematic Women, football during the holiday season was dramatic, exciting, and sometimes a little tragic. We tell you what you need to know. Plus, the FDA has just approved the sale of abortion drugs, an action that highlights the needs for congressional oversight of the Biden administration. Plus, Crocs, believe it or not, the shoe brand, is backing a kids' drag show in London. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. 
Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find the stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are so often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. All right, if there's anybody who's listened to the show, knows me, we even got one actually bad review on Apple Podcast. It was like, love the podcast, but less football. <laughs> so sorry to that person. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Maybe just like hit skip, but everybody else knows. But excuses. hey, it's beneficial as an American to have some sort of knowledge of football. Yes. So you're welcome. And guess what? I'm problematic and I love football. So I spent a lot of my Christmas and New Year's break watching really it is the most wonderful time of the year and that is bowl season <laughs> there's just like one after another after, after another, another after another, another. Oh, and it's just amazing and like you just you have your full day you don't work so you're doing all your chores and then you finish and it's like six seven o'clock and you sit down and you're like guess what there's called football on tonight <laughs> well and i i'll say i'm not a huge football fan i i like watching it but watching football with family, there's something oh, really yeah. sweet about that. And so over Christmas, you know, my whole family, um, even my mom got a little bit into it, oh. which I was very impressed by. Um, but we all watched several games together. And it's it's great and funny how, like, I don't often get super into it. But, mm. like, when the people around you are all, like, really invested, you get invested and you find yourself shouting at the TV. Maybe <laughs> we should make a mental note the next year we should do a Problematic Woman Bowl Pick'em. Ooh, that would be really fun. That would be so wild. But I think you're right. Like when you've stake in the game, like for my family, we're Purdue fans um, and Penn State fans. So Big Ten all the way. Sorry, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so when you have that stake in the game and you've been invested for, you know, four, eight, 20 years, you uh, you you like to see the you like to turn the TV on and see your team win. And and we had some some big wins. And then Purdue just got demolished by LSU. And we're just not going to talk about it. Yeah, we were actually watching the Tulane USC game. Mm. I almost forgot the uh, who they were playing. And my dad was like, "Oh, can we see if any other games are on?" I'm like, "I promise you, no, no other game is going to be as good as this one." Because <laughs> was like, "Whatever." And he turns on the Purdue LSU game, and at the point, it was 42 to nothing. It was so sad. And then he continues to watch it. I was like, Dad, turn it back. <laughs> but it did get exciting at the end because Purdue almost threw – I mean, okay, they scored once. And I'm going to yeah. be real. I'm, like, in it for the marching band. My sister plays tuba Aww. in the marching band. Oh, so, But they don't deal. even show that on TV. They did this time, though. Oh, okay. And I took a photo. And she Did you pointed. see your sister? Yeah. It was oh, so cool. I was really cool. I was, like, in a coffee shop. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's her. That's her. And everyone in the, the store is like, what is your problem? <laughs> I know her. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I I loved watching um, both uh, the back-to-back games on New Year's Eve. Um, You had Michigan playing TCU, and TCU pulled off an awesome win. Uh, And then you had Ohio State playing UGA, and that was a very stressful game. Um, I am a UGA fan now for all you UGA fans out there. um, I probably pale in comparison as a fan compared to you. you. Do you ever bark? No. Okay. I would like to point out you're wearing red and black right now, too. You're like on theme. Okay. So wears red and black, does not bark. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's where well, you can kind of rate her in UGA fans. I think bulldogs are really cute, <laughs> yeah. so there's that. <laughs> uh, but it was that was a wild game because literally UGA won by one point, and it was very stressful. Literally, and they came were down kicking the second. They were kicking the field goal for those who didn't watch the game or follow me on Instagram. They were kicking me, <laughs> kicking the field goal as the ball was dropping in yeah. Times Square. Yeah, and so it was like. Ten, nine, eight, and like they, oh they were lining up on the field. And my family, like my sister and my mom, were like, "Why are we watching football? <laughs> <laughs> it's New Year's Eve." I thought you told me we could turn it off, and I'm wor- and me and my my dad and my brother-in-law were like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is the best thing to ever happen!" So well, it, was, it, was, it was. It was like a countdown on the game clock, well, and then a countdown as you're looking oh at your phone. Gosh. You're like, "It's midnight," and they're kicking. Oh, and then you already had the champagne, so you're toasting to Ohio <laughs> State losing. Sorry to Ohio State fans, yeah. but. Sorry. That was a rough one. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it was a, a great. We actually not. To, I feel like I'm telling so many stories this morning. <laughs> I guess, um, but we actually set up a television on the front porch of my house. Oh my goodness! So we could shoot off fireworks and watch football. That's at once. a little redneck. That's Lauren. so commit. Oh my <laughs> gosh! But it was amazing because <laughs> <It's> like <awesome. laughs> the game would get good, so we take a little break in the fireworks show, watch it, and then we run back out and shoot them off. Fantastic. So that's uh, really. I feel like. The most American way that you can start the new year. Yeah. Oh, at least the most Florida way, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and you had a, a pretty interesting uh, bet with one of our colleagues. Yeah. So uh, director of the Oversight Project, Mike Howell, he is a huge Duke fan. I think he, I believe he actually played for, and, and our listeners might be surprised to hear this, that Duke actually has a football team. Hmm. Um, so uh, <laughs> he, he reached out to me. Duke was playing UCF in the military ball and was like, we have to do something to make this game fun. And he wanted, like, to do something crazy, like somebody had to stand up at a meeting and say something. And I was like, I have a great idea. (laughs) Whoever, whatever teams loses this game, the military ball, Duke versus UCF, has to work a full day at an intern desk here at the Heritage (laughs) Foundation. (laughs) So, unfortunately, um, UCF played like hot garbage. (laughs) There was never one minute in that game that UCF would, (laughs) was going to look like it was going to win. And uh, so I guess when do this week, I will be sitting at an intern desk. So if any of my colleagues at the Heritage Foundation want to come say hi and make fun of me, <laughs> I, I definitely deserve it. <laughs> uh, we'll be taking a photo of, of yes. Lauren working hard and post that on Instagram. So, uh, pretty so, fantastic. <laughs> there's one more game next week, the national championship. Big game. Yeah. And now uh, while I was rooting for UGA, um, now uh, – Go horn frogs all the way. I mean, I I will say I'm not going to be again. See, I'm showing that I'm not a great Georgia fan. <laughs> I won't be super upset if if TCU. Was they just have gonna... Christian in the name. Well, I love Christian. I love Jesus. <laughs> I like purple. Well, that's my Virginia impression. Georgia, Georgia needs to not be the next Alabama. We need to have some like different yeah. colors. Yeah, winning. and like it's always awesome to see the mm-hmm. underdog win, and the fact that they are the only Christian school in the, you know the, the whole of like professional not professional but like legit good that's not true ball. i mean yeah. baylor well yeah i guess but there's a like, lot is baylor yeah. actually they good? don't have it in the name though baylor was good like <laughs> 10 years ago yeah well, 
it's been a hot minute. <laughs> but I like frogs. And <laughs> I sort of like Stetson Bennett because he's like 30 years old and he plays college football and for, the, for some and he's really good and I think that's hilarious. So. Well, I think that that's kind of hilarious. that is a little like my last thing that's so crazy about this season is COVID really extended mm. a lot of people's seasons. So like Sean Clifford at Penn State, he won a Rose Bowl six years after losing one, and that's because <laughs> literally COVID was like, all right, we're done. We're gonna take a, a hot minute to like time out and. And now we're having a lot of these seniors that are in their late 20s finally leaving. So it's I guess that's really good bizarre. news for the 18-year-olds yeah. out there. Yeah, it is. Wow. So Problematic Women, your favorite conservative women's podcast plus football podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. If, if you're starting fresh with us this year, we promise we don't talk about football every week, even though Lauren would like to. So this is a treat. A little, <laughs> a little New Year's treat for me. But unfortunately, not all of the, the football news over the weekend and the holiday was light and fun and exciting. Um, there was some pretty tragic news. So um, you probably have seen this in the news that Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, he collapsed on the field on Monday night in the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And he suffered from cardiac arrest following uh, a hit during the game. You can watch the video. He gets hit. He stands up right away and then he just collapses and falls back down um, his heartbeat was restored on the field he's only 24 years old but he's um, at a hospital and at least as of the time of recording this podcast he's still in in really critical condition yeah it was it was really um scary as a viewer to watch I, I wasn't watching the game live but as soon as it happened you know everybody's phones went off and you see the play and you see kind of Turning the game on and everybody's standing on the sidelines and, you know, when you see all the, these players who are, you know, the epitome of manly, huge, mm-hmm. muscular, and their faces are just completely just shocked and, yeah. and sad. Yeah, weeping, um, really tragic. It definitely, you know, impacts you. And the the reason why I think it's important to talk about on Problematic Women, even if we weren't talking about football, is that for the first time in a long time, I think Americans all were together for mm. even just a couple minutes and yeah. together in prayer and, and mm. together in just wanting what's best for this young man and for this young man to to recover and and not caring about the game or championships or playoff rankings and um really everybody was like pray for him pray for him mm-hmm. pray for him and time and time again we hear we don't want your thoughts and prayers we want action mm-hmm. but no there was no action to be taken by the everyday american or the announcer or the coaches because he was getting the best medical care. Um, but so the, it just showed what we know to be true is that in times of, of need and in times of just really a, a desire for this young man to, to heal, Americans do know that we need to take that to the Lord. And mm-hmm. it was it was heartbreaking, but it was, uh, I think, a nice thing to see yeah. um, Americans come together like that. It yeah. was it was a reminder that football can be this beautiful uniter that um, with all the division in our country right now, mm. every now and then we have these cool moments where we're able to uh, to come together and kind of be reminded what actually matters, mm. um, even in the midst of tragedy. Right. And I, I think what's really cool, too, is that the teams themselves set the tone on that. 
because immediately upon that happening and, you know, everyone's like on on their knee, like paying respect and making sure the emergency services people can get on the field. Um, the coaches exchange. The first thing they were talking about is, can you can your guys play? Like, yeah. are they OK? Yeah. And um, the, the Bills coach was like, I don't I don't think so. And they went yeah. back to the back uh, to the locker rooms. And just like as a former like collegiate athlete, too, not that I was a pro or anything or even that good <laughs> um, like that. When you see a teammate on the ground in a condition, like I only saw broken bones. I never saw mm. something like this. That was tragic. And the response that this is a game and that life is more important than this game, it just shows you the integrity that these people have. And mm-hmm. again, just seeing everyone unify behind that and acknowledge that this is important and we need to pray for this man because, you know, like he's struggling. Um, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. And we've seen this outpouring of love that um, he had Hamlin had started a fundraiser for his his charity Chasing M's Foundation, and he was doing a toy drive during the Christmas season. Well, that drive has now raised about six million dollars. Like so many people, I think are hungry. They're looking for a way um, to to be united, to show love, to show support. Um, and yet, at, at the same time, we also have this a little bit divisive element happening which somehow it seems like in society we always wind up where, like, we're united for a moment and then division. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there was a crazy response from Charlie Kirk. He he tweeted, um, this is a tragic and all too familiar sight right now, athletes dropping suddenly. Um, and what appears he was alluding to, at least what Twitter claims he was alluding to was concerns over the vaccine and that um, there could be negative implications around heart conditions related to the vaccine. That's obviously something that we have no idea, um, Mm -hmm. but hope that doctors at least look into that. Yeah, I think definitely with the situation and vaccines in America, we should be looking at them deeper. There are a lot of concerning trends, especially among young men in our country around the vaccine. But this dude was hit in the chest with a helmet and is on the field coding. Mm -hmm. This is not the time to have a debate on vaccine. Even if it was the case, no, let's pray for this young man. Let's hope Mm -hmm. that he gets better. And then we can have a conversation later. I just thought it was a cheap political stunt and Mm -hmm. that, yeah. And But you also saw it on the other side, right? There was... um, a commentator who basically said they should play the game. This is a really sad thing. And he totally got shred to pieces at the same time. And it's like, no, like he just said his opinion. He didn't say that like this guy's life didn't matter. He's just like, you know, let's let's play the game. And which, yeah. I, you know, I agree that they made the right choice to not play. But I, I think just suggesting that maybe they should play because it's an important game. And he even said this is an important game, but not as important as this young man's health in the tweet. I just think everybody kind of overreacted and wanted to make this something that it wasn't. And, mm-hmm. you know, just prayers, let the coaches and the team members make the, the decision for them and then kind of save political commentary till we know this young man is going to be okay. Yeah, agreed. Very much so. Well, and we are definitely here at Problematic Women encourage all of you to continue to keep um, the whole Hamlin family and, of course, Tamar in your thoughts and prayers. Um yeah, it's really a huge time for that whole family, and I'm sure that that support means a lot and that they feel that support. All right, well, stay tuned because up next we're going to be talking about some of the chaos in Washington, D.C. this week and also the FDA's move to sell abortion pills at drugstores. stores. 
five days a week, two episode formats, one mission to deliver the news you care about and analysis on the biggest issues facing America. The Daily Signal podcast brings you two episodes every day in the same podcast feed. Each morning, catch interviews with policymakers, leading experts, and conservative activists as we discuss some of the greatest challenges facing our country and offer solutions for a brighter future. And every weekday at 5 p.m., we bring you the top news of the day. These are the headlines you care about. Subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss out on our morning interviews or evening news. There is quite a lot of chaos in D.C. this week as the new Congress is just beginning. The House Speaker is being selected, sort of. (laughs) And Biden's Food and Drug Administration just gave the green light for abortion pills to be sold in local pharmacies. So let's start there, talking about this move from the FDA. So on Tuesday, the Food and Drug Administration announced that drug stores will now be able to apply to carry and sell chemical abortion pills. That rule change from the FDA will also widen the ability for abortion pills to be sent by mail. So under these new rules, a woman can have a telehealth appointment, get a prescription for abortion pills, and have them mailed to her, or she can go to her drugstore and pick them up. So she never actually has to see a doctor in person, which to me starts raising a lot of red flags. So what When you all hear this, what do you think are some of the key concerns that we should be thinking about in relation to women's health? Of course, the health of the baby, and that's a a huge and kind of a a part of this conversation um, is protecting life. But then there's protecting the life of the mother. Yeah. So I think one of the most concerning things that I have seen so far um, in terms of women's health is the fact that They've kind of relaxed some of the risk evaluation and mitigation strategies going into these mail order, if you will, abortions. (laughs) Like literally, let's Mm -hmm. like that's what it is. Um, is. And the fact that there is no doctor involved and that we're relaxing these strategies, like what are we going to start seeing? Like our women, we have absolutely no idea what, first of all, the long term effects are. But secondly, like what's going to happen immediately after and Mm. like how they if they don't know how long they've been pregnant for, you know, sometimes, you know, birth control will sometimes mess up your cycle and you'll end up going a few months without having a period and it's normal. And um, I've talked to plenty of my friends and they have like one or two periods a year. And I I just don't see how this could be good for women, to be honest, in our health. And um, I'm going to kind of say something about COVID real quick. But when I was talking about vaccine options um, a long time ago, when, you know, we were all getting fear mongered by by vaccine doctors, um, one of the things that my doctor said was, we don't know what we don't know. Mm. And I don't see her saying anything differently about these mail order abortions. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that that is one of the biggest concerns is unless you're actually going to a doctor um and they are professionally saying, this is how far along you are. It's really risky for just a woman talking to a doctor over a screen to be able to for sure say, okay, yeah, I'm under that 10-week mark where it's still, quote, unquote, safe, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, safer, I guess, to 
take chemical abortion pills, and it's very easy to be off by a week, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, they usually say you're about six or eight weeks. I I mean, I'm not an expert. I've never been pregnant. But from from like what to expect from your – when you're expecting movie or whatever, those (laughs) – you're about six to eight weeks. Yeah, they have no idea. Like even doctors are kind of not entirely sure all the time. Mm. Well, it exposes – the abortion lobby for what it is. They're pro-abortion, they're anti-woman, and they're anti-American families and, and the health of American women. Yeah. these They make these pills seem like no big deal. You'll experience some mild cramping, some mild bleeding. No, these women are left to, they they bleed a lot at home. It is not mild cramping. And then it's, it's so it's, they're in physical pain at their home. You don't know if there's somebody else with them, if or if they're suffering alone, and then there is the the mental anguish that goes with with mm. taking these pills, and you know a lot of women do suffer with regret when it comes to abortion because it is a human life, and that the, this woman is now left to deal with that alone. It is heartbreaking to think about and and to know that now more women are going to go through this, and it is just disgusting that the Biden administration is making this a priority when our border is wide open, mm-hmm. when we're facing record administration, they want to make sure that more women have access to abortion. And it is just sad. And, and why, as Americans, it is so important for us to stand back and to push back against these pills, because this is kind of almost negates what happened with Dobbs. If, if abortion pills can just go anywhere be, because it's easy to smuggle pills between state lines. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Or to mail these between state lines. The Supreme Court made a decision about abortion, and we need to make sure that there, it's followed. And the Biden administration is not taking any sneaky ways to circumvent that. I will add, too, there's just a blatant disregard by the administration for actual health. Because if you're not talking to a doctor and you're on other medications, which plenty of Americans are on a ton of, like, they take different medications for different reasons, whether mm-hmm. mentally or physically, the lack of consulting a doctor, you have absolutely no idea what risk factors mm-hmm. are, are there. And like I said earlier, these um, the, the risk uh, evaluation that they've been doing on these mail-order abortions have been in place since 2000. Why all of a sudden in the last year is it okay that we strip those away? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this really hits at the point of the role that the new Congress is playing. So the 118th Congress has just started. Um, Republicans have control of the House. Democrats have control of the Senate. And it really is up to Congress to be holding the Biden administration accountable for actions like this um, and to be continuing, especially for Republicans with majority of the House, to be continuing to further life and legislation that protects life. Because, Lauren, like you said, like Roe v. Wade, uh, such a critical moment in history, but the fight doesn't end there, as we're seeing literally right now, that the, the radical pro-abortion lobby, they are going to continue to keep on pushing the envelope and figuring out how they can make money off of abortion. And if Congress doesn't hold hold them accountable, doesn't actively work to pass laws to protect life, um, then the result is women are hurt and lives are lost through abortion. Um, and there's a litany, a very, very long list of things that this new Congress has cut out for them. Um, and in talking about that, one of the biggest areas is that issue of accountability. 
Virginia just did an interview. It, it aired this this morning, Tuesday morning, on the Daily Signal, and she talked to Ryan Walker of Heritage Action, who is kind of he's so smart about Hill stuff that when he talks, you're just like, oh my God, like how do you yeah, have the time I know. He just to know keeps all, all this information yeah. of DC insider baseball in his head? But I really encourage you to go back and listen to it because they just talk over and over again about oversight. And it sounds like this big DC swamp word, right? But at the end of the day, it's really a word that's pro the American people. Mm-hmm. We need to have oversight of our government and making sure that there's nothing that kind of this bureaucratic mess is hiding, whether that's our border security, whether that's the Biden family stealing, whether that's, you know, what they're doing with student loan debt, whether that's what they're doing with these abortion pills. We need to really shine a light. In Florida, um, FOIA laws are called sunshine laws because it's sunshine is the best disinfectant. Aww, I love that. Well, <laughs> I love TCU. I love sunshine laws. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it, it is so important and it, it's why this this fight with Mark Carthy is important. Whether, you know, I think there it really is. People keep asking me my opinion. I say it's a catch-22. On one hand, it's good that Republicans are holding their leadership accountable and saying, mm-hmm. no, we don't want to have it. any other squish. We, we keep putting squishes up there and then you know nothing gets done yeah <laughs> yeah republicans make deals with democrats and democrats just ignore republicans and ramp through whatever they want anyways exactly <laughs> but then on the other side we're starting out the 118th congress on a kind of damaged <laughs> looking yeah, a little yeah. bit very divided <laughs> so i'm we don't know what's going to happen as of the recording of this podcast but it is interesting and you do have to remember kind of both sides of this fight of the FDA trying to push abortion pills. And you remember the omnibus fight that just happened where a bunch of Republicans signed on with Democrats to pass $1.85 trillion in spending, which one word $31 trillion in debt, something that we definitely can't afford. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many factors going on here that there's some good, there's some bad. And you need to just both as a country and kind of watching keeping oversight but also just as a citizen oversight and letting your friends know hey this is happening and this is not good Mm -hmm. yeah bringing that light well and speaking of the issue of accountability there's a shoe company that needs to be held accountable for promoting the exploitation of kids Mm. that's right yet another brand has fallen to the woke-minded virus um with rupaul's drag con uk announcing that Crocs is both sponsoring and promoting a children's drag show at their 2023 London event. The Instagram post encouraging all kids under 18 to report to the main stage with a guardian has since been taken down. However, the event continues to promote activities dedicated to normalizing drag for children, including a kid's zone complete with a bounce house that comes with a cryptic warning. While this isn't the first brand to succumb to the left's social pressures, Crocs is more mainstream than previous brands, including Balenciaga. They're also the first to openly sponsor and promote children dressing in drag for adults. So it's as if the brand wasn't already cringeworthy enough. Like, what are what are your thoughts on on this recent announcement from Crocs? It's fascinating because you definitely don't think of Crocs as being one political. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have, I've never owned a pair of Crocs. I understand their functionality. <laughs> um, great slip-on shoes. 
you know, if you got to run, take the trash out, great. I don't understand them as a fashion trend because I don't think they're attractive. Hot take. Um, and I, I see them almost as like the practical shoe that like, you know, the, um, you know, the 35-year-old mom who homeschools her kids and has some chickens is like, yeah, I got Crocs because <laughs> it's practical for that kind of life, um, which that's awesome. That's like hashtag the dream. So <laughs> no shame there if you're that person. I love it. Um, but it's weird for a brand that honestly, I think they don't understand their audience. I don't think they understand their clientele. That for years, I think they have appealed to a little bit more of a down-to-earth crowd <laughs> who is not at all going to be on board with promotion of drag, period. But specifically, promotion of kids dressing in drag. It feels very off-brand. Um, and maybe I don't understand Crocs, but this feels like totally out of left field. I think that what they're try- they're hoping is that you know, again, my my Florida family, you go home and sorry, mom, for telling everybody this. but <laughs> It's like they're just like four pairs of camo Crocs. That's fantastic. I think, I think my mom has like a solid color pair, but, you know, everybody else has the camo ones. And every uh, holiday, my brother-in-law's like, do you want to see me take these in four wheel drive? And he puts pulls up the strap. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and fantastic. we always think it's hilarious. Um, even my niece has a little pair of uh, Cocomelon Crocs. Oh, okay. Cute. Kids in Crocs are pretty adorable. Yeah. That's really cute. And but, they have those giblets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which are like little, uh, they're the little charms, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think what they're hoping for is that they're kind of run-of-the-mill Croc user in Virginia, your your idea of someone who maybe who lives in a more rural setting just needs to run it in and out a couple times. They're hoping that they won't notice, and I think they're trying to reach this new kind of like mm. this Gen Z version of a hipster. Yeah, is, mm. I'm dating myself, but it's like <laughs> so like countercultural of like what's they're trying to be so cool by wearing something that's so uncool. Yeah, and that they're hoping that they can kind of get this whole new swath of the population. Yeah. But they're forgetting about kind of their customer base. You know, mm-hmm. you go back on their, their Twitter and they're doing um, both drag shows and then they're also doing campaigns with Luke Combs. You know, like mm, yeah. they're, they're trying to, I think, be in both worlds. Um, but I think you're right that we're at a, such a perverse moment in history where brands think that they can get away with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there just seems to be a lack of... of understanding where they're tar- they they're trying to have multiple target audiences and honestly with the difference between you know the camo croc user which i know mm-hmm. plenty of people that that are like that being from the midwest our thing was um crocs with like fur inside you oh, know wow. the insulated crocs wow. if you will um i don't have them anymore but anymore. we've moved on <laughs> grown up a little bit had a come to jesus moment if you will um but yeah i i think that is just What's so scary is with Balenciaga, you know, they they also tried to, you know, basically normalize child pornography with their BDSM teddy bears. But yeah. that was, you know, at least their target audience was a little bit more soulless than the average croc user. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have considered buying crocs before and I, I've kind of with with the new uh, fashion trend even more rising of Crocs. I've been like, mm, maybe I should just give in. But after <laughs> after this, I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to nope. steer clear of Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of, um, I don't like any shoes that can be considered like a flip-flop. Like, I don't like oh, any really? slide-on shoes. Oh. Like a shoe that like... Like I'm, good support. I, yeah, I know. And again, 
I'm I'm an old lady. But if you have to take off running from someone, you never you never know. I just don't like any kind of shoe. Like I'm going to go outside. I'm going to take time to put on a shoe, and like I don't know. So I've never been a big fan of Crocs. People have tried to been like, I'll buy you a pair. You'll love them. I'm like. No. So just another time that I didn't even know that I was right when I was right. <laughs> well, there you have it from Lauren Evans. Just, just, uh, just let's record that and every week we could just play it. <laughs> Becomes our, our new theme intro. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know I was right, but I was right. And yeah. right. Well, don't buy Crocs. All right. Well, stay tuned because up next we're going to crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. We get it. With big media bias, it's hard to find accurate, honest news. That's why we've put together the Morning Bell Newsletter, a compilation of the top stories and conservative commentary. To subscribe, just head to dailysignal.com slash subscription, or visit dailysignal.com and click on the connect button at the top of the page. Now it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crowd goes to Chaya Rachik. Chaya is the woman behind Libs of TikTok, the one-person social media sensation that posts unhinged videos created by teachers, politicians, and other left-leaning Kool-Aid drinkers. She originally built the brand anonymously to provide its users with their daily dose of cringe. Chaya told the New York Post that the account is meant to give parents and ordinary citizens a platform to address what she calls the lack of basic self-awareness of the left. Well, and it's fascinating because for a long time she was completely anonymous. She didn't want to be known. Um, And then a certain reporter sort of outed her, (laughs) um, who shall not be named. Um, All day were Taylor (laughs) (laughs) Renz. But I think after that, Chai was like, all right, it's a matter of time probably before. She's like, I'm just going to go totally public. So she went on Tucker Carlson, fully was like, yes, it's me behind the brand. Uh, and it's talked about, you know, why she's doing what she's doing. And like we've talked about, it's it's the bringing things into the light. That's simply all she's doing. That's literally all she's doing. She's just reposting. And because she has such a broad platform, she's able to take these, you know, random videos that maybe only a handful of people would see. She tracks them down and shares them across social media and says, look, this is the kind of craziness that is happening and being promoted by the radical left. And I really applaud her because what happens if someone's not shining light on that early on? We wind up really, really far down the road, and then all of a sudden someone looks up and says, whoa, how did we get here? Well, she's pretty much providing a roadmap for how we have gotten there and are continuing to get there as far as the craziness in our world. And I love to watch the left get all spun up about this of like, wow, what she's doing is so terrible. And you're like, all she's literally doing is finding videos and posting them. Yeah. You're doing this to yourself. Yeah. Like if you have a problem with her, you don't really have a problem with her. You have the problem with the people who are posting the videos, but they can't admit that because they actually agree with what the videos are saying. Mm -hmm. So instead they, it's it's always this like finger pointing of like, you're doing the wrong thing because you're, you're not showing what we actually believe. And we're like, no, we're showing 
you for who you this are. Yeah. And you don't like that you're being exposed. It's exposed. funny because it's not even like them taking videos of it's not the other person taking a video of them at this point. It's literally they are self-recording these things oh, yeah. and putting them out there. Like just own it instead of being embarrassed by it. Although you should be embarrassed by it. Yes. <laughs> like, also, a lot of these are like teachers who are like mm-hmm. indoctrinating our students, which mm-hmm. is terrible. But they're such dumb dumps. Like, yeah. yeah. I hope that's not an ad hominem attack because they are that they they can't even just say like just do it. They have to like take a video of them and they're like in the corner of their classroom with their LGBTQ flag and the flying in the background and they're like, well, I I have a student and their parents misgender them and every day they come in and I tell them I love them for their gender and that they they should hide their identity from their parents and you're like, oh my gosh, like yeah. what you're doing is so wrong, but. <laughs> I and I, I'm glad that you're exposing yourself, but at the same time, it's like, in what world do you think this is okay this that is you're okay. you're showing that what you're, you're doing? Brainwashing children, yeah. yeah, yeah. Literally, the next generation is on the chopping block because yep. of the radical woke ideology um, that is being exposed by libs of TikTok. So, congrats for mm. libs of TikTok being our very problematic woman of the week, the first one of 2023, the first Ooh. one of 2023. We're off to a roaring start here. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, long episode. Got to talk about all my favorite things. <laughs> Crocs, football, Congress. Congress. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else could you want from a podcast. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, and that's going to be it until next week for Problematic Women. Yes. Join us on Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And quick announcement. Um, we are no longer doing our Tuesday show. So... Um, we were in a pattern of doing bi-weekly Tuesday interview shows. All of our interviews that really would have happened on the show, one will either take place on the Daily Signal podcast interview edition, uh, which comes out every weekday morning, or we're going to have some of those people that we would have done like formal sit-down interviews with. We're just going to have them on the show. Mm-hmm. So don't worry. You're still going to be getting all of that great content, whether it's right here or check out the Daily Signal podcast but in the meantime if you have not left a rating or review for problematic women do it you won't you won't (laughs) it's reverse psychology yeah okay (laughs) well we'll leave it there have a great week and we can't wait to talk to you next week Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.